Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Reanimated. This is uh, this is Stuart, one of your hosts. Joining me today out of Brooklyn is H.J. Conrad. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm actually out of Connecticut today, but all sorry, days. out of Brooklyn. So far out of Brooklyn, you're in Connecticut. Correct. Uh, but welcome, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks. Sorry, if, uh, gentle listeners, but um, somebody had to go camping with the Cub Scouts. Ooh, um, how was that? Did you see any zombies in the woods? No, I just honed my survival skills, you know, by staying in a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Did it have water? Cooking with charcoal. No, there was no plumbing in the cabin. Um, or electricity. And though there was electricity, actually. It was not really hardcore camping. Uh, but, you know, it was mostly about watching my kids throwing uh, fishing poles in a pond. Nice. Well, that seems good. How, what are your feelings about camping? Were you a camper before all of this? Oh, I'm never... a city kid, man. Uh, I am not a camper. I am like not a camper. Oh, I, man. No. There's nothing worse than waking up oh, after know. a night of terrible sleep and it's cold, cold. as F. <laughs> and then and you're just like, where's there? Is there no co- Where's my Keurig? I can't make coffee. I went the whole weekend without coffee, which sounds Whoa, like. Why didn't you just bring a pour over? Because I'm not fancy that way. I, I'm an electric coffee maker person. It's not that hard, but and it's also could keep you in caffeine. Just saying for next time. Maybe, I've got yeah. Some, some things for you, my friend. Instead, I woke up, drank water ugh, like a savage and uh, and then barbecued a bunch of um, bacon and, and uh, hash browns because I was in charge of or I was part of breakfast team Saturday morning. So I was cooking for 40. <laughs> yeah it That's was insane it was a lot but it, overall it was pretty enjoyable the weather was nice it was there were no bears sweet no, we we succeeded and you know a lot of it i was uh just just dad and the two kids and, and i didn't lose either of them i did well, but i not yeah. permanently so <laughs> younger or older what which one did you lose oh both of them yeah oh recently at different times at different times oh, at different times yeah. oh okay yeah. Um, sweet. Um, all right. Well, I have no such exciting tales. I just think I've been hanging out in the cemetery, seeing the cherry blossoms, which have been awesome. Um, like kind of insanely awesome. So there's that. Um, not sure what else eating some pizza, you know, doing the typical Brooklyn. things. <laughs> and in Connecticut, uh, in Connecticut, we're just out hanging here for, for Mother's Day weekend. What uh, are typical Connecticut things, would you say? I don't know. Boating shoes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't really know. There's not a lot of Connecticutian things going on. Put a sweater over your shoulders. Yeah, I just like wander around. Like, we're kind of by the water, so we'll probably do a little hike later. But, you know, nothing nothing too much going on here. Well, um, delightful. Uh, in a place where there is a lot going on, where the last two episodes of season 11.2 of The Walking Dead could grief, and we're going to get to those. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, before we hop into that, we do have a couple of uh, very small news tidbits, really, honestly, almost nothing, but hardly uh, worth mentioning at all. That's, that's probably it's probably just, you know, we'll, we'll do it and then hop into the episodes because we have a lot to cover, a lot of ground to cover. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we just n- knock these out? Um, but basically, this is almost like a non-article or maybe even a like we saw sort of something about Danny Boyle talking about this in a similar fashion, honestly, just as like sort of vague suggestion that he'd be interested in doing the third um, 28 days later. 
And then Alex Garland sort of like drops this little tidbit that like he, he'd be definitely into doing this and, you know, kind of talks a little bit about that. The fact that um, these guys both go do interviews and then this part of their interview gets pulled out and made into its own article. Right. Each, every time they talk about it, they must see the level of excitement that people could well, have. Well, part of me, part of me is like, is this just them doing like a bit of a test? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Like to see if it to see if it has, all, I mean, obviously they know that people would be into this idea. So I just think, you know, so let's see what happens, but I think that you know, there's something to be said that they both have kind of mentioned it. So maybe this, this is something that is potentially um, going to happen. And if it does, I'm there, I'm all for it. Yeah. Know? And it's also important to remember that they had nothing to do with 28 weeks later, as far True. as I know. Um, True. So there may be some things that they were like, mm, they wanted to like, I don't know just kind of deal with so um yeah that could be that could be a cool idea depending on what it is so there's that um and then uh you had found this thing about the showrunner um of the the tales of the walking dead yeah so that's well first of all the the lead here is that tales of the walking dead is coming this summer which i had no idea uh, yeah, I, don't know. I guess I didn't know that. I thought it was a little, I thought it was probably like the fall or even next year. Well, I feel like we were seeing all those casting announcements just a month ago. So I was yeah. like, oh, there's no way in hell that they are, they're in production because they're still announcing casting, but maybe that's not how things work. Who knows? Either way, it's coming to summer. Uh, it's what, six episodes. So it'll be a nice amuse-bouche before we get to Halloween season, I assume. Yeah. And uh, the final third of the season 11, because I think that's when that's coming. Um. And so there's just basically it's, it was Channing Tatum on Insta stories saying we've uh, final mixes down for the first episode of Tales of the Walking Dead. Uh, if you're trying to find that Insta story on his uh, Channing Powell, very professional is the tag of his Insta handle. Uh, it's not there anymore because it was a it was a, a story. And those are, you know, frustratingly ephemeral. I think we can all agree sometimes when my wife uh, tech, like DMs me an Insta story that she wants me to look at and laugh at like a puppy or something. And it's gone by the time I look at it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I suck. I, I didn't have the, like the presence of mind to go immediately to look at that, that link. Uh, but this is kind of the same thing. So Channing Powell is saying, hey, the first episode's mixed down. I don't really know what that means, but it's mixed down. Uh, and then there's still the teaser, which we have never looked at as a podcast. And it's the 16 second teaser of the show. Uh, the screen is split into six different uh, little squares and showing like some of our some of our hero cast, like Olivia Munn and uh, Terry Crews and um, <laughs> Parker Posey and Jillian Bell. Is it? Mm -hmm. Uh, it, look, this is, I, I still have a lot of hype for this, for this show, just based on the, the people that they've brought together. I like the idea of an anthology for this universe and I'm excited for it to come out. And the, the little clip they have of Parker Posey in this teaser is insane. Um, I, if people haven't seen it yet, I won't say what happens, but it's, it's pretty wild. So she's, uh, she's always good for some, some insanity. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's, she is, she's gonna, she is a classic. Uh, so Tales of the Walking Dead coming soon. Cool. All right. We will keep a lookout for that and we'll definitely review it this summer once it's out. You better believe it. Uh, which brings us then to the main event, which is two episodes, the final two episodes of season 11.2. .2. These are entitled Trust and Acts of God. They are written by Kevin Diebold and directed by Lily Marie. Yeah. And then uh, Nicole Marante Matthews and Catriona McKenzie. 
did the second one that we're talking about today. So in trust, what remind us since it's been a couple of weeks, H.A., do you remember what what did we do last episode on The Walking Dead? Oh, you're really like making me do putting you on the spot. Back into- <laughs> no, no, I no. I do. I knew we had the whole um, basically diehard siege in the <laughs> yes. in the tower thing going on. Um, so this actually like leads right from that into into this episode. And it's honestly one of the most hilarious scenes ever. Um my opinion <laughs> okay yeah. why why was it why well was it so because funny? it's like you've got lance um basically questioning gabriel and aaron and it feels like it feels like um a teacher questioning two grade school children that are like caught in a lie or something like that and um you know he he really lays out he's like are you telling me that <laughs> basically a one-armed man and a one-eyed man survived this like crazy thing and none of the commandos did and there's no bigger story to it and i mean lance clearly knows that something fishy has gone on but like you know he's he's playing the long game here um i feel like they were all quite frankly on the verge of cracking up in the scene and it wouldn't shock me <laughs> they, like... josh hamilton who plays i think it's josh hamilton he he, he said uh during the scene Actually, Daryl smacked him, not Daryl, Norman Reedus smacked him on the back of the head during one of the takes because there was a giant bee on him. Uh, he oh. was talking about it on, on Talking Dead. But I think I think he's a really funny dude, uh, oh Josh Hamilton. Uh, he, was, he was making a lot of really funny jokes on Talking Dead. Um, so I would, I would say any scene with him in it was probably pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, um, and he also and then- talked about how he does his, uh, you know, he's doing this like, vacant smiling thing all the time mm-hmm. where he's like looking at you and he's smiling but it's like a completely menacing scene yeah and you're like is he gonna just totally gut somebody at this point like that it's always it's like a psychopath smile so it's he like it right up to the edge and then he's like oh yes. okay didn't mean to ruffle any feathers uh so let's go and then like this next scene we're like oh he's going to hilltop so yeah of course he's <laughs> he he's always being threatening even when he's like de-escalating he's actually ratchet ratcheting right. it up and even but even like in the scene so you've got gabriel aaron like and they're like yeah yeah that's our unbelievable story sure yeah that's mm-hmm. it and, and they're great they're like they're t- those two seth they're uh, great but the thing that really just made me laugh out loud was daryl's like side eye to them yeah. Yeah. Both he does and and you're like oh man and then like he does it again like before he goes back down the stairs like he gives him a side eye like oh my god you guys and then you know and he's vouched for them he's like oh yeah they could they could do this because they're <laughs> I've been on the road with them they're 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 pretty they're pretty set they're they're good they're badass and then as he's like walking down the stairs behind Lance he like really looks back at them like you guys are just unbelievable right or <laughs> he's like, like we're, we're in a hole and we have to dig or our we're in out. A, we're in deep we're in it deep so good lord it's um, interesting to think about uh Daryl's position with Hornsby in this episode which is sort mm-hmm. of a trusted member of the team I don't know why he's never in uniform it doesn't make sense uh, but uh, to, and compared with where he is by the time the episode, the next episode ends, right, right. Um, there's a real journey here, right? Like the, of, of Daryl just like, not really making choices, but like making unavoidable choices. He, there's no other way for him, I think, to, to go through the events of the next two episodes, but it's kind of, it's just interesting to look at where well, he is here. 
and where this he is, where and he this ends is up. always yeah totally and this is like the theme of this episode kind of because it's like you've got it's you know and lance actually says this to them like oh we all want the same thing here and it's like well do you probably yeah because nobody um, knows what you want you second yeah because nobody knows what lance wants and um, but also it's the the sort of the og crew so it's it's daryl it's um, Gabriel and Aaron, and then you've got on, you know, in other in other places in this episode, you've got Mercer and Princess, and then you've got um, Eugene and Max, and there's a lot of like, which side are you on kind of questions going on here, and if you like, and knowing that if you sort of ally with one side that you're going to be bringing the wrath of the commonwealth right um and so that's you know it's it's and they play this out pretty well i think um in terms of how they how they let the story unfold so i thought that that was pretty cool um oh and you also have um ezekiel and carol right um so so it's like multiple stories sort of in this similar vein um, sorry, my daughter walked in, but did you also talk about Princess and, and Mercer? Yeah, yeah, I mentioned okay. them too. Um, yeah, those were some interesting scenes, I felt like. Um, definitely lending some new layers to Mercer's character mm-hmm. um, where, you know, he's being emotionally available and then in the, in the same scene, emotionally unavailable. It's kind of funny, yeah. actually, uh, that, <laughs> that he's like, oh, I love listening to you talk and, uh, you know, this is pillow time or pillow talk time. And then he's like, I'm fine. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. and then, you know, it happened, it escalates pretty quickly with the the Lance kind of group and with Daryl, because like, you know, he immediately watch like marches over to Hilltop demands to be let in. You've got Maggie. And this is the whole scene we had sort of been teased with at the gate where Maggie's like, I don't want to, you, you shouldn't come in here. And then Daryl is like, I don't want people to die. So I'm going to go and handle this. And he's like, come on, Maggie, let's just, do what they want and you know because of that trust she does let them in and there is this tense like you know they're searching for like basically some kind of evidence or smoking gun that maggie's team literal guns i mean literal guns you know the ones that were stolen um and so there's one thing that i just didn't say like i just was like huh during this episode but anyway they kind oh, I of thought the through. truck scene was really good. It was actually pretty scene, tense. Okay, the truck truck scene was amazing, but also Josh Hamilton's acting in this when he's like trying the truck was yeah. awesome. He's so good, and and if you look, you're like you're watching Maggie in the background. She's breathing heavy. Like, why doesn't she know that the truck's not going to start? Right, right. It's just weird. Uh, she, and anyway, she kind of goes between her body language saying I'm super nervous to d- telling him you have till sundown, then you got to get out of here. I don't know that I would have even given him till sundown. Um, Right. Like they have, they've had plenty of time. It's not that easy unless you're burying them, I think, to hide how many boxes of guns, I, I assume. Right. And I kind of almost thought that a better tactic is if Maggie had just been nonchalantly like sunbathing or drinking a lemonade <laughs> and being like, hey, yeah, because there's nothing, there's nothing there. So they should, yeah, right. in a way, they should just be more chill. And she should probably have Herschel with her when there is a, a unfriendly. Yeah bunch of people in the compound Herschel uh, that's that's obviously that's the scene that turns everything around because uh Lance Hornsby has terrible instincts and thinks that he can go talk to somebody's little child without a parent there and then actually put his hands on them not in a threatening way but even at all 
and mm-hmm. Elijah uh, is right there and is able to, <laughs> to intercede, but an interceding also like starts World War III. Uh, yeah, but I also want to, you know, this is the other thing is that, you know, Lance suddenly whips out a hat that he's like, it's this, this fits right. just fine. And I find it very hard to believe that, first of all, that Lance would have noticed that Herschel had worn this hat before um, and that he would assume that, it, you know what I mean? Like, this yeah. just seems a little nuts. Um, also, his detective skills, like, we're, we're relying a lot. Apparently, he's like a super sleuth because he can, you know, match tire tracks or whatever it is between like you know where like it's just ridiculous so anyway but this standoff is definitely a key point because daryl turns a gun on lance and i think that no matter what and and this just shows exactly where daryl is in terms of loyalty it's always going to be with maggie it's always going to be with his people and not the commonwealth and that was like i think no matter what happens after this lance is like oh you need to die this Um, is almost an interesting juxtaposition between seth um i mean gabriel and aaron mm -hmm. they're faced with like basically incontrovertible proof that lance hornsby is evil in the last episode and yet Mm -hmm. in this episode they're still pretending that they're on the level right and daryl doesn't really know what's been going on so he's still just kind of playing along but as soon as he has proof that Lance Hornsby has made a stupid mistake and has the potential to like start, you know, tell his guards to start shooting everybody, Daryl is immediately like nope. putting, holding his gun up to, to Lance Hornsby. And I was like, this is a, you can't go back from this. I was actually really surprised to see him out in the woods with them at their camp after this scene. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, this is just gonna, I thought it was gonna go down much more quickly, in fact, like within moments of this happening, but it didn't. So I had a similar like, oh, interesting. I mean, it makes um, for better dramatic storytelling that Lance Hornsby waits like an entire day and a half to get his revenge, I think. Or to try to get his revenge, rather. But uh, it's it is kind of wild that he's like, oh yeah, um, Aaron and and Gabriel and Daryl, come on back with me. Of course, Daryl is out in in the bush here, and his kids, you know, his adopted family are all still in the Commonwealth. So he has to also realize, like, he's saving or interceding on Maggie's behalf in this moment, but he's putting his family at great risk, also. Right, right. And, you know, and then this next piece where Lance, like, finds Leah in the middle of the woods, and it turns out she's the one who's been taking the guns. That was a bit easy. It was a little ridiculous. And also, like, I I mean, look, I think that after the confrontation, he's like, oh, Maggie and everybody just here has to die. And I'm going to do what maybe what my nefarious plan was all along here, since they won't, like, fall in line. Um, I don't know exactly what that plan is. And I think still we're missing some pieces. But um, it immediately turns and he, you know, clear, like that seemed a little like far, I don't know, to have to, to Leah. Okay. You stole our guns, but now you're going to do this thing for me. And then. Yeah. Like the fact that he is recruiting Leah and trying to murder Maggie, uh, Maggie hasn't done anything to him. Near, I mean, in theory, she, well, she refused to join the little you know, right. band of c- communities, but is that as bad as murdering a convoy of soldiers and stealing his guns? Right. That's what I was like. That seems a little like a strange. I don't know. But anyway, there. So there is that. And again, I just enjoy the heck out of any of Josh Hamilton's scenes. I think he's incredible. Um, And he just continues to be incredible. Um, And he's he's really putting in some good work in this in this episode. Uh, 
and and somehow is able to talk Leah into not killing him at the very end. Um, but right. but fine. Also, it was a little odd that like, I guess he went off without Daryl or Gabriel or Aaron, and that's to to go talk to Leah. Obviously, Daryl wasn't there, or he would have um, probably had something to say about it. Um, and they go off, and we find out where they're what they're doing the next episode. Um, in 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 Commonwealth, you've got uh, some Max and Eugene stuff. Uh, he's asking her to like steal secret files uh, to look into the uh, the house escapade yeah, and, that Daryl and and, um, and Rosita had had to go through. Yeah, and that's the thing. Rosita's like basically looped Eugene in, and also Connie and Kelly are, are aware. And the list comes out, and they're like trying to figure out what the list is. And there's like a lot of people on it. Um, and you know, so they need they need help, and and Eugene is like convincing max to do it and granted she's scared and there's no i mean again these are all like you know that if you are caught or if things happen you're going to be in a lot of like and your family might be in a lot of trouble she's scared but she like after mercer her brother uh, michael i guess turns her down when she asks for his help she right. goes from zero to 60 and basically becomes like a revolutionary leader mm -hmm. uh, i kind of think that's pretty fun um for her character to to just be like oh Oh, you're just a poster child then, or like just a poster. Uh, yep. I, I'm going to go and lead the revolution because we can't unknow what we know is what she says to Eugene later. I feel like there it's a, it's an interesting take uh, and turn for this character. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah. And she, she also is sort of testing a little bit and making sure that she's like, I think she, like there's a moment between her and, and Milton where she is trying to like, um, like, I think it's, it's, she's trying to not convince herself, but still gather some evidence that she's right about her instincts. And, um, you know, if this is, if it's this whole thing and the Miltons are actually doing things for the good of the people or change or whatever, um, she just tries to put one more plug in. And there's this whole moment between her and Milton before she actually does sort of turn into a, a spy <laughs> and, and, yeah. and steals files and she basically is like oh there's extra money in this fund can we set up a scholarship um for people who don't have the money and milton's like oh no it goes right back into the event fund or whatever and then i felt like that was even if she had been sort of undecided that decided her for good yeah um and so she does go and she steals a file or two um in the next and, episode yeah oh in the next episode sorry but but that's like she's she's convinced herself and it is a lot of risk, but she's just really um, all on board. Yeah. So there's that. And so, and then you've got the Carol and um, Ezekiel thing and also Ezekiel and uh, Theo. Tom, Tommy. Tommy, sorry. Tommy and Theo. Theo's the nurse, I think. Oh, that's right. So, but so Theo is already kind of convinced or may have been convinced by Ezekiel, but he's on board. And then Tommy, um, you know, is looking for more he's very upset about the fact so many things but remember he didn't want to be a surgeon because he couldn't handle the pressure that's why he was happy making cakes in season right, 10 but, but i think the question is it i don't know that it was as it was probably some of the pressure but i think it's also the fact that there's clearly like a case system here a case system here and he knows how many people are suffering and that he can only help so many and i don't know i'm still like really not I don't love this character. 
Um, I don't love where they've gone with it. Frankly, his his accent has gotten a lot better uh, in this episode. (laughs) Um, And his, you know, even his whole thing making cakes before still doesn't totally make sense. But, you know, um, anyway, but he's totally on board. Guy can't handle the pressure of being a surgeon in the zombie apocalypse, decides to become a baker. It's not a compelling story. No, No, it's not. And but anyway, he's all on board with this like, new this little underground clinic that ezekiel has somehow set up i also think that a little bit of this execution in terms of the clinic and ezekiel and tommy stealing supplies like come on guys can you be a little more subtle than this like because they're not at all yeah the walking they get caught they get caught like so quickly and then it's like carol comes through and it's like she definitely bribes the guards to not talk but come on they're gonna talk right um so there's all that kind of stuff going on um and I just think this is all about loyalty, this episode, and um, which, again, which side of the line are you on? And it's definitely becoming clear that the Commonwealth is not what they purport themselves to be. Um, And even if they aren't, people are coming to the conclusion or are people or the main people that we are following um, that you know, and and Mercer even says this, Mercer Mercer is like, I know that they aren't doing things as well as they should be. I know that they are dirty basically, but it's better than it it's better than it could be. Yeah. It's better it than be it could worse. be. And so you have to kind of make a decision. Like, are you going to cause more deaths? Are you going to cause more chaos? Does this help sort of in the chaos of the apocalypse? Is this the only is this an alternative? And can you live with sort of the negative pieces of it? So that's Isn't it kind of, of wild also that an appendectomy wouldn't be considered emergency surgery and and get like you know, right. like oh, clearly their their healthcare is broken. If someone yeah. who needs an appendectomy and it's like it ruptures, like so, this woman is in having appendicitis in this yep. episode and would have died. Uh, and I, I guess uh, she could have maybe gotten into the hospital, but it would have cost her too much. We don't or, know if Ezekiel or, has had to pay for his surgery, but he's clearly post post op, uh, having right. had his his tumor removed. But there's no mention of what he owes for that. Well, so I, I kind I of think th- that the show could do a little more to right. describe and, and how think, the system works. Well, and I think he says to Carol, it must have cost you a lot to get me into this. So I don't think he owes anything. Um, but I think that it's clear that if you don't have money or you don't have resources, you don't, you're not eligible. And so that's why it's so broken. It's like, it doesn't matter that she needs emergency surgery. She's in the lower part of their society. And so they don't really she doesn't get that. So she's not, you know, um, so I think that that's, you know, part of this too, like the, the people who are in the higher echelon have access and the people who are lower in the, in the, you know, sort of like, um, in this is they're at the lower levels. They're sort of the, I don't want to say the serfs, but that's kind of what it feels like. Right. Um, it, it does, but it's, yeah, also not not totally spelled out. I, I want it to be okay. a little more um, clear. Um, I, I didn't love the, uh, the surgery or the you know barn stuff, the, the Ezekiel <laughs> stuff surgery, as much. Yeah. Um, but it, it is necessary to try to fill in some of those gaps, uh, especially though the uh, the appendectomy where suddenly Ezekiel and Carol are called in and like Theo has to go get more meds from the hospital, which hopefully he's better at it than Tommy was. And uh, they're just, you know, they're, they've got the woman bagged and mm-hmm. they're doing like, oh, gauze, you know, dab, dab, pulling out a, a little thing that's apparently like an, ape- a, an appendix, an appendix, an appendix, appendix, 
she's got an appendix. That's not right. Uh, but like they char- they charge up that scene with the scary music. They're like, all right, this, anytime you've got somebody who's <laughs> under surgery, you're like, are they going to die and become a zombie? And I hope somebody has a knife. Uh, but then it's like, oh, this is fine. Everything was fine. There was no, no reason to be concerned. Everybody's okay. Uh, and so like in a way, that was kind of like anticlimactic too. Not that I wanted the woman. Yeah. I didn't want them their, their like first major surgery in the barn to fail. But uh, it, it, the, the, the show, the production certainly kind of amped it up a little bit. So, yeah. that when, so that when nothing happened, you were just a little like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just wanted to have Carol and Ezekiel talking it out, talking about how they're both lights and darkness. And lights and darkness. We're not getting back stuff. together either. We're not getting yeah. back together. Eh, maybe they are. We'll see. Well, we will. Um, and then um, Kelly and, and Connie their big thing, which I also think is a little weird. It's just like, they're going to write about it and tell everybody about it. And it's like, well, how much evidence, I mean, if you have evidence and I guess that's what Max got them. Sure. But you know, they know you wrote it, so you better have a plan to be gone or something. Right. Um, Yeah. It's. And and so this is in acts of God and we might, I think we've covered everything in trust. Uh, And yeah, I agree. Like there's, even if they were to, uh, publish Rosita's, you know, account of what happened at the house and how Sebastian is involved. Rosita and Daryl are the only people, and Mercer, are the only people who know about that other than Sebastian. So how do they expect this not to come back on them? Of course. Right. And I also think that that list, anybody who might have known um, April or, you know, Tyler or whoever's on that list, I assume that they must either be shut up or gone or whatever. So I don't know, maybe not, maybe not, maybe they do know. And maybe there's like this whole big cover up. Um, one of the things Connie and Kelly say is that, Oh, maybe they're holding all these people somewhere and we don't know more about that. Um, we so still don't know who gave him the list. I mean, it feels less likely that it's uh, Michael Mercer. Mercer because he's um, really trying to stay on the fence and uh, is all torn up that he had shot those other two soldiers at the end of the, mansion heist episode uh, which is what he tells princess at the end of the of, the, of, of, of trust um so we i, I feel like I, I have less enough of an idea who it might have been at this point because who is even like a uh an establishment person who would have access is right. it one of the pr team the pr assassins we don't really know them very well and i think it looks like they're coming uh, in the in the, the flash forward that they showed in talking dead it looks like they're coming back as uh, antagonists in the next yeah well maybe it was the fake max who knows um maybe did it but anyway we've got that going on um and you know and then we've got like a huge scene in the um and i guess we're into uh acts of god now yeah um we have the huge scene with um maggie knows that lance is going to retaliate she definitely knows that and um she she puts her son into Negan and Annie's care, which is like the scene between Maggie mm. and Negan and Annie is great, but specifically the acting between her and Negan is pretty awesome. Um, and the thing that I like about this is that it isn't just like all is forgiven because it isn't, but she's getting to a place. And we, I mean, we saw this coming a long time ago and they had been kind of floating this and we we have seen this sort of building which i think has been well done um it's not that she forgives him because i don't know that you can ever fully forgive somebody 
um, for something like that. Or, I mean, maybe there's some grace you can come to, but she actually says the closest you're ever going to get to that with him, which is that he, he saved her son's life and she's not going to forget that. And she's entrusting him to their mm-hmm. care. And not only that, but Negan's offering t- and Negan is a valuable asset an ally to bring out. And she's like, no, I need you to take care of my son. Um, and even she admits that Negan's been right, that she shouldn't be like protecting Hilltop, which again, yay, that's a good, place to come to now but too bad you didn't get there earlier but um you know this was i thought this was an excellent scene um and it really um you know uh, uh, you know we know also because we've seen like the trailers and they've been talking about the next step for for these two characters but um yeah, we know they're going to go on but like i just thought that this was a pretty powerful scene between them and also with annie there yeah um yeah, Annie is clearly like a, a good mediator for the for the two of um, of Negan and, and Maggie, and like the introduction of her and her pregnancy have like definitely given Maggie a reason to trust Negan, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's yeah, I agree that that was a really impactful scene, uh, very important. Um, and then you've got you know the whole crazy Lance thing um, with uh, with the um hilltop and and leah is doing her thing um and then you've also got daryl and aaron and gabriel like and and you know uh, i forgot because we should say that that lance even when they're like walking when they are together with lance lance like is testing them yeah and see and you know and daryl joins in and you can see where things are going but he sends them off with another group of soldiers. And I think, you know, you'd have to be pretty dumb to not understand that they're going to get eliminated and Daryl's and them are not dumb. They get that. Um, Yeah. I thought that was actually a really good scene where they end up in that junkyard um, or maybe it's just a street that looks like a junkyard because it's 10 years after the apocalypse. But that, that scene was really good. It's, it's worth pointing out that Daryl does not wait for them to shoot first. (laughs) He's just like, Oh, it's, it's happening. And he, he shoots first. Um, poor Romano did not know what he was getting into and the other uh, Commonwealth soldiers. Yeah. We still have the same problem of, I mean, no, these, this isn't the same as, uh, as the Nakatomi Tower uh, episode where they were shooting civilians because they know that Gabriel and Aaron and Daryl are dangerous. Uh, so mm-hmm. they could, I guess, you know, rank and file troops could have been persuaded to, to do this job. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a cool scene. And uh, although Aaron and Gabriel, I think both get shot, but very minor wounds. Yeah. And man, does Aaron, does that arm of Aaron's need more damage, right? It's like his bad arm and he gets like knocked in the shoulder. Um, I also thought that like this was just me. I thought that they were going to like, there's this weird like cut cut through of a snake coming down off of a bus, which I was yeah. like, is that going to play into this? And was that just a snake that happened to be on set that day? And maybe, like, maybe I was up. like, I was like, what is that? Okay. Okay. Nothing to do with the snake. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> and then they like, I liked this little firefight. And I also liked that it was like, they all knew that the minute they started doing this, that walkers are going to start coming because of the noise. Mm-hmm. And so they use that to their advantage and, you know, got information, um, with you know, basically, um, basically being like okay do you want do you want a quick death or do you want to like get eaten by walkers 
Um, so I thought that that way, and they get, you know, obviously the information that Lance is going after Maggie. It was so sudden and brutal that he just shoots Romano after he gives him yep. like, he doesn't even know that much, you know, nope. poor Romano. They could have just been like, come on, man, come with us. I don't know. It didn't have to go the way it went, but yeah, Daryl wasn't messing around. But Romano has shown pretty, pretty much which side he's on. So I don't think that that was an option. So I think they actually made the right decision there. Daryl also shows his hand and answers the radio to Hornsby when Hornsby's oh, yeah. calling in. He's like, uh, Romano, what's your status? And he's like, he ain't here no more. And then Hornsby immediately knows that, you know, the gig is up. So I feel like maybe yeah. that wasn't the right choice. Maybe just leave the radio unanswered. Oh, just leave it. Yeah. You don't know. Maybe he then- can't hear you right now. Maybe... You know, it puts it puts Lance a little bit more back on his heels or at least doesn't give him enough info to deal with. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it puts him on like on a more of an alert status, which he already was. But like, there's no need to get him even more ratcheted up. Let him wonder rather than that would be my take anyway. Uh, We've also throughout this episode got the locust swarm, which is happening, um, which is considered this act of God. And that's part of like the, you know, the the cold open is like Hornsby stepping into a puddle of goo that was somebody's face. Uh, uh, and, and it's, a, and then you go back and it's like, two, you know, something 19 hours in one act of God earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of scenes of people flipping coins. It's mostly Hornsby flipping coins in this episode. That's part of this like act of God or, uh, element, I guess, as well as a, an actual, um, plague or swarm of locusts. Yeah. Uh, and the swarm of locusts is, uh, used for like some sort of sound camo, Mostly, I, I don't know that they really play much of a, an impact, but it, it's mostly like an ambiance kind of thing throughout this episode. And it, it yeah, does, and the sound is like unsettling and kind of puts your nerves on edge a little. Yeah, it's stressful. And I think it's just one sort of like more point that like things are not going well and it's just this extra piece. Um, and also they're locusts. So you, you have to assume that there's going to be a problem with food or whatever. I kept down. hoping to see that. It's like, oh, now we cut to the farms of the Commonwealth that we've never seen. Oh right. no, the crops. Oh, how are we going to feed these 50,000 people? Maybe that'll come up uh, later on. I think, but... it, I think it probably will. Um, and you've also got, you know, and then you have Leah doing her assassin, her best assassin thing, which is weird. Cause it's like, you know, Maggie sets up uh, Maggie and the, um, hilltop people set up some traps and they do like take out a lot of the soldiers um and you know then there's this whole like maggie leah standoff um and i guess you know even when daryl kind of let maggie or went let leah escape rather the last time mm-hmm. um i think we all knew that that was a mistake i even think that daryl knew that that was a mistake but here we are again um and she's stalking maggie in the woods and um i just you know they they keep they kept prolonging this and i wasn't you know i wasn't totally bothered by this but i was also like there's just no way maggie would have any chance against somebody that was trained in this way i agree also it's it's tropey and disappointing that they didn't have leah just kill her when she got the jump on her in the woods is there's right. no way that somebody this professional would decide to do the I'm going to knock you out, drag you to a cabin, tie you up, and then talk to you while you get free. <laughs> it's very much like the whole Austin Powers doctor yeah. thing, where his son is like, uh, 
just kill them. Just do it. Why are you waiting? Maybe they'll get away. Why, why even leave it to chance? And it's like that whole trope, um, which is yep. pretty funny. It was, it was very cliche. You, you're monologuing, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, so. it was exactly that. And so kind of just, but you know, Maggie's in a spinoff show as, uh, as um, Chris Hardwick was saying on talking Dead, he's like, I have a feeling that Leah's not going to come out of this scenario. <laughs> Right, right. And it was really predictable that Daryl was going to be the one to, to save Maggie to. here. Um, because it's his emotional beat to have to kill his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, in the hand-to-hand, like the fact that Maggie is able to shoot Leah in the woods at first, even though Leah comes back, Maggie also originally has the upper hand in the fight inside the cabin before Leah does some judo and throws her down. It's well, like, only because she did have surprise. She had the element of surprise. But again, I just don't think she'd come out of this. Um, doesn't feel right. Does not feel right. But um, in fact, I almost thought they were going to do this a lot more quickly because of that. Like, I'm like, there's just no way they can put these two people into like <laughs> hand-to-hand combat situation where Maggie comes out alive. Yeah. Um, so I guess the only thing that you can kind of believe, which is with their whole uh, dialogue before, is that, you know, Leah doesn't want to kill Maggie. She wants her to suffer. So I guess there's like something where she's pulling her punches because she wants her to suffer more somehow um, or like prolong it. And so any in any case, Daryl, Daryl, you know, takes her out, gives her a headshot. And then I do think that there was like a good, there was the whole thing where Daryl gets Maggie out of the cabin but sort of grazes Lance's face. And that, you know, I was like, oh, it's on now. He's like, grinning he's like really you can just see like when he's like touching his face how pissed he is and it's just like oh this isn't gonna go well for anybody but now we take it all and then they do and this is also you know they they go straight up fascism uh, imagery with these like vertical banners on the outside of alexandria okay i gotta say okay just looking at those banners like the what it would take to print those things (laughs) I just don't buy it, but they're cool. making guns and, and bayonets and bullets. They're, they've got, I they've know, got industry. It, we just have it, never seen it. I know we have not seen it. And I guess that's the thing. It's like, okay. Um, but anyway, um, and then we've got um, um, Max um, with her, her espionage uh, story. And she has like a weird, um, interaction with Sebastian um while she's stealing the papers and that's kind of strange and tension heavy um yeah Sebastian's another one of these characters like a Hornsby who don't really know what he's thinking he's saying one thing and he's acting one way but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pauses and looks and like does he know that Max is doing something she's not supposed to be doing is he actually just thinking they have a vibe (laughs) it's hard. hard to say uh and he also seems a little drunk but then like you know he leaves and and Max is able to do her secret mission and get those papers to the cabal which now includes Magna also and and Ezekiel shows up at their little like uprising meeting and then by the end of this episode we get to see their don't we we get to see their newspaper Yep. Yep. It gets thrown on Max's desk and during like a musical montage, I feel like. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, I did like the scene of, you know, there was like a whole montage and it's like Daryl, Maggie, um, Gabriel and Aaron kind of like walking through a field and she's sort of like bloodied, but it's Mm -hmm. like, they do like very long shots of each of their faces. Um, but they're united and you feel like they're gonna, 
you know, gonna kick some ass or something. But oh, I mean, sure, maybe they will. But Judith and RJ, there's a scene in the earlier episode. They're still inside. Yeah, they're they're like going to school. At least Carol is with them, Uh, and that's one of the nice things that they have. Like they haven't made anybody. I mean, I guess nobody's ever really been their full time parents since Michonne left. Uh, So, but Daryl is has been with them a lot, and no, now Carol is. Um, and yeah, you know, Jerry's in the, isn't Jerry in Alex, uh, in yeah, yeah, he's in, he's in the Commonwealth. Yep. Uh, so there's enough of this family group to, uh, to share the, the load, but Jerry also has like two or three kids. We're going to have to see, uh, how this is going to go from here because now they are definitely not allowed back in the Commonwealth, assume, presumably. Um, and, and, you know, like based on Hornsby's change of outfit, he, he was wearing this like white and red tie for most of the episode. And then at, in Oceanside, where he's got everybody tied up too. These are like their good faith partners. And I don't really get that one. Uh, he's wearing a different suit. So I assume he's gone back to the Commonwealth and like gotten some sort of, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe, maybe he just travels with many suits. I wouldn't put it maybe. past Hornsby. Uh, we'll have to see like what the, what the, impacts are going to be of these decisions in the commonwealth and for the citizens of oceanside by the way in, in that lineup still no luke i wonder if he's True. just off the show yeah maybe um but this all starts and you have the whole horns be you know the montage with like seeing the different communities and that you know they are suffering now because of these actions and then like the sort of big pinnacle thing at the end is the flipping of the coin Mm-hmm. Lance, Lance flipping it to decide what's going to happen to Oceanside people. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of it for the finale. And so, um, I did like it. Um, and I liked all this, you know, we're going to figure out, I guess the next, the last third of the season. Um, but you know, overall really like the season. I like it. Um, there's obviously some, some slight, um, you know, like criticisms and things like that, but I love the storytelling. Um, and I think it's gonna, we'll see, we'll see what the end is, but, um, overall really just enjoyed watching this and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it made, made better by the presence of a couple of really strong villain characters between, Mm -hmm. between the character of Sebastian, Lance Hornsby, two episodes ago, Carlson, and, and Pamela Milton, who unknown, really still kind of a question mark, but probably not 100% good because of her greed situation. We've got some interesting and relatable, maybe Lance Hornsby isn't as relatable because he's still just like so weirdly motivated. Um, good villains uh, to, to enjoy watching. Also, uh, Rip Marco, we barely knew ye. He, he probably uh-huh. only had like eight lines of dialogue in the whole show. Uh, but we should have known when you started to get some more this season that you weren't long for this. Yeah, you were not long for the world. Also, don't stand up right yeah, after no you kidding. set off a booby trap. Always stay crouched. Yep. Pro yep. tip. Uh, and then, so yeah, next time we'll, we'll uh, on rea- next time for Walking Dead, season 11.3, I think will not be until the fall, kind of like traditional timing of the beginning of when that show comes out. Uh, but there's other stuff. I mean, Fear of the Walking Dead is back on TV. Not that I think we're going to race to watch it. Right. Um, so that's it for this for this part. Uh, what are we talking about next time? I think next time we are going to try and watch and talk about Doctor Strange if, if we can all get to the movie theaters to see it. All right. Well, I will do my very best. 
Um, and hopefully we will have Kyle Diaz as a special guest star. Yeah, let's uh, we'll try and line it up and we'll we'll uh, certainly be trying to not skip another week in our um, podcast output. So if you're not gentle listeners, we shall return. Uh, if you want to talk to us about how you thought about, uh, you know, 11.2, give us a holler. We're on reanimated. We're on Twitter at reanimated PCAST. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, our show notes with links to the kind of vague and clickbaity articles that we talked about today will be online at reanimatedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Ciao. Adios.